Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One of my favorite people on the internet has decided to come to the room late to have a conversation that I am super excited about. And, and this is one of those weird ones where... We're talking about courage in each of these in this room conversation. And this is the, can you have the courage to have hard conversations conversation? Mm. You are someone who um, I think just as a like byproduct of the work that you do every day on the internet has said, you know what? I'll be the one. Yeah. I will be comfortable getting uncomfortable in conversations and it takes courage glow welcome to the hot seat i am so happy to have you here welcome to rise together my name's dave hollis i'm the host of this show where we're gonna hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this the human experience maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. The very last chapter of Built Through Courage is uh, is a chapter that I'll be honest. I wrote mm -hmm. and tried to shoehorn into the book, and it didn't fit. Okay, this was a chapter that was after I started writing the book, trying to acknowledge the disruption mm -hmm. of the racial reconciliation and the reckoning that was long overdue happening in the midst of writing the book, right. and. I decided, man, I'd be remiss mm -hmm. to talk about courage without also acknowledging the kind of courage it takes to have conversations about things that are hard. Mm. Let's talk for a second about why you do the work that you do every yeah. single day and how courage ends up being an accomplice in that work. Wow. Well, Dave, first and foremost, it is an honor and a pleasure. And when I think about the word courage and how it like ties into the work that I do, I think to be to be prominent, to be relevant, to do anything meaningful in this world, it takes courage. Yeah. And I knew growing up, I never really belonged. I never really fit in. And I wasn't, I didn't care if I was liked. I wanted to be respected. 
And to be respected in any industry, you have to take a stand. And I knew that would attract trolls, it would attract hate, it would attract a lot of controversy. But I was willing to put myself out there in that way because I knew it would it would precede me. And when you take a stance on something, when you have courage and you're willing to tackle controversial subjects, it kind of elevates your profile. It puts you into another stratosphere because if you want to be on social media and stay superficial, you'll be about here. And yeah. that's cool. Yeah, Most people stay about here. But I was like, you know what? I want to use my platform for something deeper than myself, deeper than my life, deeper than my accomplishments and all the accolades and whatever. So I put myself out there and I was willing to be a punching bag. And I was okay with taking hits and taking shots. And honestly, like on the very extreme end, getting like death threats. And I think in that space, I was able to say, wow, like this is what it looks like to take a stand on something. But I also know that the work that I'm doing is liberating and empowering and bridging the gap between two communities and two perspectives and two ideologies. And I'm willing to do that work. And I think I'm also highly aware of my own privilege in this in this country, in this conversation, in this fight, because I live alone. I don't have kids. And I understand that there are other stresses and obligations that other people have. So I really wanted to make sure that I was using my platform in a way that would advance the conversation and add a different, add nuance to what was already being talked about. Yes. So you just brought up a word that can <laughs> at times be triggering for, sure. for anyone who is the recipient of privilege. Yes. And I've had many a conversations with people who happen to predominantly be white yep. who would argue against or debate the nuance of why they think the characterization of privilege in some way is an unfair moniker Mm -hmm. or isn't really the story of their story. And in the book, I reference a conversation I had with a friend of mine, Dr. Ed Barron, who referred to this moving sidewalk that we all find ourselves standing on, that there's just the systemic current Mm -hmm. of systemic racism that ends up just being part of what we all live inside of. And the, the, the suggestion that you are not racist in and of itself is you standing still on that moving sidewalk, right? You still end up moving on a sidewalk and that, that uh, suggestion, look, I'm, I'm not racist. I don't use these words. I don't yeah. say these things. Just ends up not being enough. There's some privilege in the suggestion that you could just do that and be okay. The suggestion, though, is that actually you have to be anti-racist, mm-hmm. that you have to walk against that current, the, against the motion of that moving sidewalk. And mm-hmm. I wonder if for anyone who's listening who may in fact be the beneficiary of privilege, Mm. how you might equip yourself with some courage to have a conversation that meets them in a place that allows them to hear what you have to say in a way that doesn't make them so defensive that they can't actually understand what you're trying to represent. Mm. And I love that you even, I love this question because the word privilege is such a trigger. And I want people to understand that they don't have to feel guilty for having privilege. And when they, when, when I was vocal about 
you know, saying like, I have privilege as a black person because even speaking English as my first language, having an American passport, those are both massive privileges yeah. on a global scale. So when we look at the spectrum of privilege, we look at just all the things that you were born with. Having privilege doesn't mean that you don't have hardships. And I think a lot of people, they're triggered by that because it's like, White privilege, like being born white, being born in a country where it's naturally catered to you, you can still have hardships. But looking at the totality of what what types of privilege there is, I think a lot of people are just so turned off by the fact that like, oh, you're dismissing me because I'm white and you think I've never struggled. And it's like, no, it's not that. It's just have perspective, have yeah. context, have compassion for other people who don't have as much privilege as you. And so when I talk about privilege as a Black woman, I want to give people permission to be like, you know, privilege is a spectrum and the pendulum, like it, it, it can, it can waver. So it's, it's, it's always an interesting conversation. And I think when I was being very vocal about very complex and controversial subjects like privilege, I wanted to make my education an invitation to a deeper perspective rather than shame. Rather yes. than like, you know what, you are white, feel guilty because your ancestors enslaved people. Like, that's one perspective. Yeah. But I was like, you know what, let me just invite people to a perspective where they might not be aware of. And when you have an invitation to your post, it allows people to say, you know what, I don't feel guilty, I don't feel shame, but I do feel convicted. And conviction is such a powerful emotion. Yes. And conviction can move people to think deeper, or consider perspectives that they didn't have to because, again, their privilege allowed them to just live in a bubble maybe for most of their life. Yes. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I, in my podcast, it's called Rise Together, am attempting every episode to create an empathy bridge between mm. a guest yeah. who the audience may not necessarily believe like, think like, associate with, yeah. but maybe in the story of their story can walk a day in the shoes of that person that just softens some of the sharp edges of their heart. Yeah. And one of the things I love about the way that you post what you do is that you try to approach the explanation of a nuance inside of a complicated space, a triggering space, yeah. in a way that says, hey, let me arm you with just a little bit of information that maybe in that information gives you a little chance at perspective, a little chance at empathy that changes the way that you might think about or approach becoming defensive on a topic that you don't completely understand. Mm. Tell me about your approach. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I love every single thing you post. I'm like, yo, <laughs> yeah. I have taken something that I didn't totally understand and I understand it in a completely new way. But there's an art to the way that you're trying to courageously yeah. have conversations about hard things in a way that yeah. they can actually be heard. 
Well, I'm very thankful that I went to school for communication. So my formal education is in communication. And so semantics and wording and language is all very important. And sometimes we look at words and like, oh, well, you know, it's PC or they shouldn't be offended by that. But it's like, actually, there's tact and diplomacy that is very important when you're trying to have intentionality behind your words. So I think what I would post, I would be, I would always have an intention. I'm like, okay, is this post meant to change perspective, invite them into a new world? Is it meant to educate them? Is it meant to take them to another you know, resource? So I always wanted to make sure I had a healthy balance because if I was too compassionate or too soft with my education, then it was like, oh, it's comfortable. It's like, oh, I'm never racist because da 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 da. I'm like, no, I, I gotta give a little bit of conviction because yeah. I, I need to let them know that being complicit to the way the system is, is racist, you know? You have to be anti-racist, which is like an active role in changing the way things are. So I think most of my posts, I tried to have an undertone of like, this is not comprehensive information. And one of my, like my second to last slide would be, here are things to Google to go deeper. So I wanted to give kind of like the foundational stuff And for people that, again, I had compassion for people who were like, this is the first time they were aware of like racial issues in this country. So I was like, okay, if they're a newborn, I I kind of like compare them to a newborn being born into this world. Do you expect a newborn to walk, to run, to crawl even? So I was like, okay, I got to spoon feed them. They're newborns in this world of racial reconciliation. So I had compassion for for that. And I held space for people who were newborns. Then I held space for people who were toddlers. Then I had space for teenagers. Then I held space for adults, you know? So I kind of, kind of spaced out the way that I approached my education. And obviously I got a lot of backlash because sometimes the people that were newborns consumed the content that was for maybe teenagers. Yeah, And, you know... I think that's, that leads to another point. Like, not everything that's posted on social media is for you. And if it's not meant for you, scroll past. Oh. Everyone takes everything so personal. That's good. Glow! How dare you? I'm like, no, no, this isn't for you. If you know this already, congratulations. Keep scrolling. Yeah. This is for the people that don't know this yet. What's interesting for me and my family, we found ourselves at the beginning of an adoption journey adopting through Ethiopia which meant that we as Caucasian humans were going to have a black human join our family and sought out an intentionally multicultural church Mm. so that we might actually do life with people who might actually associate, have culture, have empathy for the experience Mm. of our one-day daughter who had not yet joined our family. And that experience of sitting in church pews and ultimately having small groups and experiences with people who had completely different life experiences than us was such an informative part of our, more than anything, appreciating how much we did not already know. And I can remember sitting with a friend in church who asked me a very simple question around the time that Eric Garner was a part of the news cycle. When I was engaging my sons in a conversation about how to handle being pulled over. Mm. And it hadn't at that point 
been a thing in my consciousness a single time in my life that I would ever have to explain to my white sons how to handle being pulled over. Which is, by the way, the definition of privilege. I didn't have to think about it in a way that he, as a black man, had to. And I'm curious from your experience how the power of community, right? This Mm. just simple idea of actually doing life with people who are unlike you acts as a catalyst for expediting the way that you might appreciate the experience of someone who's different from you. That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Like diversity and exposure, it's its so powerful. And if, if I can just quickly reference, like in high school, you know, I was driving a car and, you know, I had the, the privilege of having parents who gave me that talk of like, when a cop pulls you over, swallow your pride and just, and so when I've had those experiences, like, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm going to reach into my purse. It's right here. Here is my ID. Right now I'm good. And I would narrate every single movement because I know that like, I, I couldn't let pride to, you know, but not everyone has the privilege of having parents who gave them that talk yeah. of like, you know, and so I also understand people who are like, what? Do you, why am I being pulled over? Is this racial profiling? And so- it, it, it's such a hard place to be in because I see both sides. I had the talk and I will swallow my pride every single time, no matter how humiliating it feels. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to, yes, sir. Okay. Sorry, sir. Sorry. Just, I don't even talk like that. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a kind person, but I'm going to overcompensate just to make sure this white cop feels okay around a black person. And I, it's just that extra layer of like, what I have to do just to protect my life, yeah. you know? And so just knowing that I have to do that. But I think just in the whole context of like what we go through, what we learn, I, I'm thankful that I, I grew up in California because, you know, I think many immigrants settled in California, in the Bay Area specifically. My best friend was an Afghani and a Filipino person. And we literally became friends because we were the, the loners <laughs> in school. So... I'm thankful that I have this diverse background because I think it made me more compassionate growing up. And I was able to have that early exposure to what an immigrant background could look like. And so I see other people, I see other cultures, other ethnicities, other lifestyles. And I'm like, oh, cool. And even traveling to almost 90 countries, almost uh, solo, it's like you learn that there's no right or wrong. There's just different. I I think I made a mistake at the beginning of my journey to try and become more familiar with how I might understand some of what you might be going through with me thinking, oh, I have a friend who happens to be black. I'm going to ask her how I might think differently, feel differently, work differently, be differently. And what I didn't appreciate until I had somebody who was just courageous enough to have this conversation with me, like, hey, I'm carrying a lot already. Man, it has been a long, hard road. And the last thing that I need is to also have to carry the responsibility of making you feel comfortable inside of this society. And so I'm curious how for anyone who's interested in making some progress, right, wants to cultivate the courage Mm -hmm. to step into some uncomfortable spaces outside of 
my mistake, right? Reaching out to a black friend and saying, help me. What do I do? How do you help me? Right? That is, that's not the answer, right? I think I know the answer, but I want you to tell me what you believe to be the answer for anyone who's interested in making some progress in how they might become someone who can actively be anti-racist in that moving sidewalk and start walking against the the current. (laughs) Well, first and foremost, I want you to be reassured that you are not alone. (laughs) Last summer, I probably had just over 100 white friends like, Glow, are you okay? What can I do? And I literally, for many Black people last summer, we could not hold space for Black trauma and white guilt. So many of my white friends felt guilty for what was happening, and they wanted that reassurance like, Glow, I'm one of the good ones, right? So they wanted me to be like, no, Samantha, I still love you. Don't worry, Rebecca, you're the good one. It's always Samantha and Rebecca, (laughs) by the way, but continue (laughs) glow. You know what I mean? But it it was just like, I couldn't hold space for both black trauma and white guilt because right now I was like on Zoom calls with black friends who had to show up in corporate meetings and had to mask their tears because their white boss wouldn't even address what was happening. So it was just so much collective trauma. And I think what I realized is that, you know, first and foremost, I think, how do I say this? Because when I look at where to start, because I think the intention is pure. Like when 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 I see the messages of them reaching out, what can I do? What can I do? It's like, we just don't even have the capacity emotional capacity to to answer. And I think the most triggering question for Black people that people didn't realize last summer is, are you okay? Mm. The amount of times I got that question, it broke me, just broke me. Because I wasn't, number one. And two, I was like, where do I start with telling them that I am hopeless, frustrated, angered, triggered, defeat? Like, there was just so... And I'm like, wait, if I tell them what I'm really feeling... What can they do? Yeah. They're, they can't hold that. Also, the question is asked in some ways with the suggestion that mm. you aren't, mm. which is also just layering additional trauma on trauma, right? And that's, it's it's heavy already, and now you're getting more. It's tough. And I think, and, and here's the beautiful thing about cultivating the relationship. It's almost like friendships. You, you build the relationship before you ask for the favor, you know, like- right. And I think there were certain like white friends that knew that they can come to me with any question, no matter how ignorant they felt it might be, and I would never judge them for it because we had built that relationship. We had had those conversations about race, so I had already known their heart and their intentions were pure. And I think, yeah, like they would even apologize, like, Glow, I'm so sorry, this is a stupid question, but is this X, Y, Z? And they would just ask. And I'm like, you know that because of our history, you never have to apologize. Yeah. We have built that foundation of like integrity and I know your heart and I know your intentions are pure and I know you're doing the work. And I think, yeah, it, it's really hard to know if you have that you know, relationship with a black person, but um, having those conversations before it's necessary is super helpful. If I'm able to talk to you about racism before there's a big racial issue in the country, then we can have that conversation anytime. Yeah. But if I'm talking to you about race for the very first time during George Floyd, it's not a good time. Different. Yeah. Yeah. What I found, we had a, an expert come into our organization a couple of times and walk through racial reconciliation in a framework that had the very first day, full day, 
just be about history, mm. right? Like really making sure that there was an understanding of how we ended up where we are. Yes. And for anyone, like the first thing I would recommend to any of my friends, were they to come to me with, I want to get courageous and stepping into an uncomfortable space to understand race in this country in a different way. The first thing I would suggest is inform yourself of why there might be the systemic things that exist in this country in the first place because of the history that's existed. How do you think about history Mm -hmm. and the way that history has or hasn't been studied as a a remedy sounds like too easy a word to use, but at least as a salve in some ways to have people appreciate Mm -hmm. why it may feel heavy for you and why George Floyd might trigger something because of the 200 years that existed prior to George Floyd. You know, we the, the the cliche that history repeats itself, it's like, I think Black people know that at any moment, history can rear its ugly head back into our present. Yeah. And I'll be honest, even here, you know, you don't have to include this, but even here, when I was out with uh, Trent, Prince, and Anthony, we went to a restaurant and, you know, we were just watching a, a small video of just something that was happening here. And immediately someone came up, please turn down your volume. And, you know, we looked at each other. We're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, we're kind of a dark Micro corner. Microaggression. That. But we realized I mean, we were literally the only black people in the yeah. restaurant. And we, we have to choose our battles. Because if we allow every situation where we're targeted or profiled to trigger us, they win. Yeah. And I think that's what I also realized in this, like, whole conversation. When I use my platform to, to teach on this, I was like, if I allow every trigger, every microaggression to get to me and for me to show my anger, they win. So I'm like, let me channel love, light, compassion, because like, not only, first of all, that's fucking hard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Edit that out if you need. It is. It's hard. Yes. So it was not only a great test for me, but I was like, Man, God, if you can use me at any season of my life, let it be this one. Yeah. Because I need you. In my human self, I cannot be positive during this time. So I need you to show me compassion, to show me light, to show me leadership, to show me being a role model. So it, it, it's 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 a lot of work. But I, I, I never put that expectation on every Black person because there are, are Black mothers who have kids, single mothers, whatever, nine to fives, corporate jobs where they can't say what they want on social media. So I also recognize my privilege in this conversation where I don't have a boss. I'm my own boss. I can say whatever I want. Yeah. So I'm like, let me use my platform to speak up and disrupt the pattern because I have that privilege in this Black community. I don't even know how to say this in a way that feels like it's okay, but I have plenty of days that aren't great days, and I don't end up actually acting as an ambassador on behalf of all white people. Mm. And yet, there ends up being something for anyone who happens to be black and has a platform that were they too in there having a hard day, succumb to the pressure of the weight of trying to hold both Mm the responsibility or opportunity for helping other people understand the pain and the pain that they themselves are experiencing. Mm -hmm. If in that moment they aren't the thing that society or that the culture or that 
whatever ends up needing yeah. that somehow as an ambassador on behalf of you've potentially compromised yeah. the progress of yeah. the movement and it's just Big. good lord with that kind of pressure how in the world do you keep going when yeah. the headwinds inevitably rear their head yeah. every time someone is shot every time there's yeah. something new in the news every yeah. There's just so much, so I and I don't I don't have a good answer for that, but it just it feels unbelievably unfair and super frustrating. I literally was just talking about this how I willingly took on the responsibility, like traveling to almost ninety countries across six continents. Inevitably, people will view you as a black ambassador, not only black but black American. So you're representing. Africa, <laughs> and then you're representing Black America. So I felt like I held these two communities on my shoulders, and I was like, no matter what, I'm going to dress nice, I'm going to speak well, I'm going to be con- like, I'm going to tip fifty percent. <laughs> I would literally over tip just so, because there was a stereotype that Black people don't tip. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to make sure every time I tip fifty percent, so that they have this new level, this new standard. But like, I was okay with doing that because I was like, if they treat the next black person nicer, I'll feel better. Because wow. I can take a hit. Punch, I'm a punching bag. I'll take it because I'm adventurous, you know? So I'll take the hit. But if you treat the next black person good, it'll be worth it. But that responsibility, it's not fair, but I was willing to do it because I knew that I, would, I was already blessed with so many resources and so much the opportunity, just being in the personal development space, the mentors, the just the prophets, the people in my life that have just spoken life into me. Yeah. I'm I'm very grateful for that. And so I recognize that opportunity to use my platform and to use my voice for something bigger than myself. I was like, all right, God, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be an ambassador. I'm gonna represent the black community well. I'm gonna represent America well. So I being a role model is tough, but I yeah. I like that kind of tough. Uh. <laughs> All right, this is a hard question, yeah. but I'm interested in your perspective. Okay. There are people who will bang a drum yep. for All Lives Matter yep, yep, yep. in the midst of Black Lives Matter. Yep. Yep. And it's I, I want to I wanna scream <laughs> about it, and yep. I am not someone who is as affected by it as yep. someone who happens to be Black. Yeah. Is there a, a way that you've approached this conversation that allows you to try and connect with or break through to someone who has, they have this conviction that is arguably as strong as your conviction might be, but how do you, how do you connect to somebody who has such a diametrically opposed perspective, generally speaking? I stopped trying to feel like I was responsible for changing their mind. And every post was an invitation rather than a force or responsibility to change how they felt about Black people. And if I can invite you to a deeper perspective to consider, I've done my job. If I'm forcing you to think this way because I am Black and you should respect Black people and listen to Black, that's not going to work. It's not effective. Because at the end of the day, if you have a stance, there is a series of circumstances, experiences that have built up that perspective. And I honor that. And I'm like, you know what? They don't know better because that's literally what they've been, you know. Indoctrinated with. Exactly. And so once I released the pressure to change their mind, I no longer was offended by it. Because before, All Lives Matter was so triggering, Dave. Yeah. I would see that and I would would unfriend people on Facebook immediately. (laughs) I would just like... I would curse out loud. I'm, oh, what the 
you know, but then I was like, I had to really, because I'm like, why am I letting strangers on the internet <laughs> disrupt yeah. my peace? So I was like, they think this way because they feel threatened and their security feels threatened. They feel like maybe they had one bad encounter with a black person. And so they just, their whole perception about the black community is flawed. Yeah. But I had to start learning that I can't change anyone's mind. At the end of the day, I can tell you that the N word is for the black community only. I don't personally say it, but black only black people can say the N word. But if you want to say the N word in private, I can't do anything about that. So instead of being triggered by the fact that you want to say the N-word, even though it's not yours to say, I'm not going to make it my problem or my issue because there's something deeper that that person is going through or whatever. So it, it really, I made it more about what I was, what kept my peace, what maintained my sense of equilibrium rather than what triggered them. Yeah. So the broad conceit of Built Through Courage is this idea that you were created with very deliberate design, right? That you had in your wiring, in your emotions, in your thoughts, in your love language, in your experiences that you are a limited edition, (laughs) one of one. And that your responsibility on this planet is to... Honor the intention of your creator. Mm-hmm. I feel like you are yes. in the work that you do, yes. honoring <laughs> that intention. Yeah. But I want you, for anyone who doesn't know you as well as I feel like I know you, <laughs> what do you believe to be the intention of your creator? Wow. What a powerful question, Dave. These are these are so good. Um, so I will say my parents are Nigerian. And when you have Nigerian parents, you have an English name and a Nigerian name. My Nigerian name is Uche Chuku, which means God's will or let God's will be done. Mm. So it didn't really hit me until three years ago. Like, what is God's will for my life? And really using my voice to bridge communities, using my voice to advance humanity, using my voice to elevate and bring light into this world. I felt like that's always been my calling and conviction. So Uche Chuku, God's will for my life is to bring light into this world. And being glow, it's it's. It literally feels so perfect. So connected. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it it feels really good. You are a light bearer for sure every single day. (laughs) And I appreciate you. Part of what allows your light to flow so bright is your courage to step into uncomfortable spaces Mm. and to do it in a way that doesn't fear that discomfort, but embraces it in a way that says, you're welcome here. I hope you'll meet me here so I can walk alongside you so that you might understand differently some of this discomfort with me. Yes. I appreciate you for that. Thank you, Dave. Come on, Glow. (laughs) Let's go, though. All right. Hey, y'all, while I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular. If you head over to MrDaveHollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals. Yep, I'm going to be sending out regular updates, uh, stories, uh, observations, hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think. Uh, And I'd love to be able to 
do that on the reg. So if you uh, are so inclined, hit MrDaveHollis.com, drop in your email, and buckle on up. I love you all. Thank you for all the continued support. Let's go.